1: And welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Stark. we on a kind of an unseasonably warm day. We can't figure out if we want to be cold, if we want to be hot. But Charlie, let me tell you this. I'm not someone that complains about the weather. I'm an eternally optimistic person. But today is a beautiful day right now. Had some rain this morning, but it's beautiful right now. Some rain.
0: I had to swim into work this morning.
1: It wasn't just, a, it was a little bit of rain. A yeah. little bit of rain. Just a ton of rain. Pouring down rain. All right. Uh, so last night, State goes on the road, drops a, a loss at Georgia in uh, men's basketball. Uh, coming off a win against Ole Miss this past weekend. you kind of felt like that game last night was big, just to try to get that momentum back. You've got Auburn on the road this coming Saturday. And, Charlie, just uh, the same issues kind of cropped up last night, uh, having the, a tough time from the field, especially in the first half. Free throws were an issue once again, and it just goes back to the point, man, I think this is all in their heads right now.
0: I was laughing because somebody was tweeting that we've got to start practicing free throws. Practicing free throws now isn't the issue. Uh, this isn't a capability issue. It's not a skill set issue. This is a mental issue, just pure and simple.
1: What was that guy's name? in the natural that you know that losing losing is a disease. You know that guy. He was he was a psychiatrist. at Roy Hobbs always. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I was thinking more like Bull Durham. Don't think it can only hurt the ball club. Yeah, you, you just know, don't just, need to, just when, go up there. And, when
1: you tow that line, you don't need to think. You just need to shoot. That's just the whole
0: grab it and put it up there. No pausing, no thinking, no measuring, just let it go.
1: Second half last night, we were a lot better basketball team. We kind of found a little bit more rhythm offensively. Of course, the defense has always been there. But, hey, you know, and that's a game you want back. That's a game that you look, you know, three weeks from now, you're going to say, man, we wish we'd had. I'll say this, Mike White has Georgia playing better than they were at any time last year. Got them playing a little bit above their head, but uh, give Mike White a little bit of time to recruit. I think we talked about this, so we'll kind of go back down. But uh, at the end of the day, man, that was a tough loss last night.
0: No, it was tough because the problem is you pull up the schedule and you say, there's oh, yeah. the next win coming?"
1: And, yeah, I mean you got to play Auburn this week, this weekend, then you got Tennessee in the midweek next week, and so the schedule is not you know very kind to you. And we're going to talk to Gary Parrish later in the show, Gary Parish, of course, with CBS Sports, and talk about college basketball in the SEC, because Charlie, here's the thing, man, it just gives the appearance to me that the league is deeper this year. I don't know if it's better, but it seems like the league is deeper. Everybody thinks about Kentucky, and Kentucky has been awful over the last few weeks, and so a lot of people in the country think that the SEC is down, but it just seems to me like everything's kind of reshuffled a little bit. You've got Alabama, you've got Tennessee. Of course, Auburn has been very good. Arkansas has been good. It just It just seems like it's a little bit deeper right now than it's been. I think that's the
0: key. It's the depth. It's the fact that I don't know that we've got that marquee team right now that you think, man, this team is – I mean, can you really believe in Alabama until they've done it? I mean, you get what I'm saying. They're obviously very talented. They're very good. They won at Houston. But isn't there something about wanting to see a team actually
1: get over the hump before you believe in them? Well, and that philosophy they go with about just trying to roll a ball out there and play, sooner or later, usually in the NCAA tournament. We saw it with UNLV back when we were kids. And we saw it with Loyola Marymount. There's going to be a night where you're not that good offensively, that you have to rely on defensive rebounding. And that's not what they're built on right now. And so those are the teams that have the great regular seasons and maybe win a game or two in the tournament. But then when it comes down, they have that one-off night, and that's all it takes.
0: Now, the challenge for us right now is we need to find somebody that has that one-on night (laughs) offensively because it's just not there. And, man, if you're Chris Jans, you just have to be ready to pull your hair out because what do you do when you're losing games for one reason? You just can't make free throws making an all Miss game competitive for one reason. But as a coach, it's almost like the Steve Sachs deal. You know, when Steve Sachs was playing second base and ultimately just couldn't throw it to first base. And Chuck Knobloch. Chuck Knobloch had the same thing. The golfer that can't make a three-foot putt anymore. At some point, it, there's no more talking. There's no more anything. It just, it just quits working. And the problem is the more you talk about it, the worse it is.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt. So when we come back, we'll talk to Gary Parrish of CBS Sports. Of course, once again, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starville Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the great state of Mississippi. So we'll talk basketball with Gary Parrish on the other side of the break. This is out of left field presented by Farm Bureau. Yeah, welcome back to the Farm Bureau Studios. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. And on the phone now, Gary Parrish, college basketball insider with CBS Sports, the pride of Memphis, Tennessee. Gary, how you doing, man?
2: I'm great. Pride of Memphis, Tennessee, depending on who you ask. But uh, I appreciate you saying it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> no doubt. Gary, When just first and foremost, when the, in the SEC, so many people – when they talk about the SEC and the strength of the SEC, they always start with Kentucky. When Kentucky is down, they think the league is down. I guess the first thing I want to talk about is the league right now in the SEC. What's your thoughts? Is it better this year? I know you got Alabama and Tennessee's playing well and Arkansas's playing well as well. Do you think the league is better this year collectively? Well,
2: according to the computers, it's down a little bit. and Some of that, obviously, like you noted, is connected to Kentucky being down quite a lot relative to its normal historical place and preseason expectations. But this is still a top-four league in the country, and it's a league with at least two legitimate national championship contenders in Tennessee and, and Alabama. Both of those teams, as we talk right now, are sitting here at 14-2 and two overall, 4-0 and 0 in the SEC. Alabama's got massive wins. Um, over Houston and Arkansas on the road. Tennessee is obviously the only team this season that has beaten Kansas, the reigning national champion. So um, it, 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 it's down relative maybe to where I thought it would be, down relative to where it was last season, but still a, a super deep league with a lot of good teams um, and, and, and multiple teams that are capable of, of cutting nets in, in Houston. Uh, to win the 2023
0: NCAA tournament. Gary, when I look at, just picking up this morning, looking at the AP Top 25 and the coaches poll, kind of beyond the SEC, somewhat the same question. I look around college basketball. Obviously, Kansas is still there, UCLA, Gonzaga. Some of the names you're used to seeing, but you don't see a Villanova. You don't see a North Carolina. Are we seeing a, a shift in the balance of power in college basketball, or is this just... One of those strange years.
2: I'm not totally sure. I don't know that anybody could be totally sure because there has been some seismic changes in the way that college athletics is run, you know, specifically talking about name, image, and likeness rights, and the one-time transfer waiver. So there there was a a year a few years ago where we were still in the pandemic pre-vaccine and Kentucky and Duke both had horrific seasons and missed the NCAA tournament. And I would get asked a similar question all the time. Like, is this, has John Calipari and Mike Krzyzewski lost it? Or is there another explanation for it? And I thought in those situations, there was an obvious explanation for it, which is Duke and Kentucky were relying more so than any other teams in the country, as they often do, on heralded five-star prospects, first-year players. And they didn't, because of the pandemic, have a normal summer. You know, uh, student-athletes didn't get on campus as early as they normally do. They didn't have the normal preseason stuff. Uh, I, I was told at both Kentucky and Duke by those coaching staff, you know, normally their freshmen get on campus and then they, they hang out. They're together all the time. They weren't allowed to do that that summer. They, they had to go to their own rooms and they couldn't mingle and they couldn't have more than X amount of people in the same place, in the same practice. They didn't get a normal preseason schedule, a normal non-league schedule. And they just simply didn't have the time to, to come together the way that Freshman heavy teams often do. I thought that all of that made sense. Now, I, I'm not sure what to make of this, although the point you, you highlight is undeniably true. Villanova is one of the biggest brands and strongest programs in the country, historically, under Jay Wright, and they're not good this season. North Carolina was preseason number one, and North Carolina is not ranked right now and won't be ranked next week, coming off of a uh, you know midweek loss to Virginia. Kentucky is obviously down as the SEC favorite. Indiana is down as the Big Ten favorite. So I'm not sure if this is all a coincidence or merely that name, image, and likeness in the one-time transfer waiver is giving everybody the ability to remake a roster overnight. And maybe some of these schools that had inherent advantages for a variety of reasons um, don't have those advantages um, anymore. Well, Well, we'll see as we go forward, but it is, undeniable that when you look at you know the the, the, the sport broadly, um, some of the biggest brands and, and most reliable winners aren't winning this season as much as they normally do or as much as we expect.
0: Gary, you mentioned name, image and likeness. Separate fact from fiction for us. There's this idea that, hey, it's a huge deal and then there's some people who kind of want to deny it, say, well, it's not it isn't really going on. What kind of money is being spent in college basketball right now?
2: Real money. Uh, it, it is a huge deal. It, it, it is. Um, I don't know that it impacts the way we or most people watch it. Like when I'm watching a game, I, I it, it never. I, I, my mind never goes to. I wonder how much money that guy's making from signing autographs or, or or making Instagram posts. Like we still enjoy watching college athletics the same way we always have. At, at least from my perspective similar to the way we still enjoy watching Michael Phelps swim, when Michael Phelps was swimming. You know, once upon a time, you know, Olympians were amateurs. And one of the arguments against allowing them to make money was if you take away their amateur status, then you rip away what is beautiful about watching the Olympics. And I guess I was too young when those conversations were going on to, to really understand the ins and outs of it. But, you know, we've played that out now. You know, Mary Lou Retton was an amateur when I was a child and everybody fell in love with her, watching her, you know, flip and, and twirl and whatever else gymnasts do. Um, but like Michael Phelps is a multimillionaire. Simone Biles was a multimillionaire. You know, they were allowed to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. And it didn't impact our enjoyment in any way whatsoever. And so I really think the people who worried about the name, image, and likeness rights and what they would do to, to college athletics i think that they've been proven wrong the ncaa literally argued in court that if you allow student athletes once upon a time they argue if you allow student athletes to make money um nobody will care about college athletics anymore but i don't know if you've seen any football stadiums i know you have uh basketball arenas or television ratings like people are still watching this stuff and consuming the stuff the way they always have so i don't think it impacts it from the, the the perspective of the viewer but i do think it has impacted the way coaches do their jobs. I can't tell you how many coaches I've talked to who have said they're not worried about having, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to to buy high school freshmen. But if you, I mean, high school seniors rather, but if you don't have those things in place at your university to keep players from going to places that do, you're going to have a hard time holding your team together. And we saw that honestly this past off season. Kansas State had a pretty good point guard in Nigel Pack and he you know for lack of a better word, like got bought by Miami for four hundred thousand dollars a year that is going on and that will continue to go on to go on um, and the coaches who embrace it and the uh, universities that embrace it and the boosters, frankly who embrace it uh, they're gonna flourish in the space and the ones who try to fight it or resist it or complain about it are are going to struggle So is it a big Uh, needle mover in that way, but I think we're all still watching these things the way we've always watched.
1: Talking to Gary Parrish with CBS Sports, and Gary, along those lines, you talked about keeping rosters intact, and for so long in the college game, it was protecting against going to the NBA or trying to put your name in the draft, and you saw so many undrafted guys or guys that went in the second round and couldn't hold on, but now you know, the thought process going into this year was there are some guys who in the past may have gone in the draft but have stayed in the college game because of NIL that it was going to make the product better. Have you seen that?
2: Yeah, no question. And uh, that's a great point you're making because it, it's 100% right. You know, there was a, a, a time where somebody like, let's just say, Drew Timmy at Gonzaga would have just gone to the NBA because he's been an All American multiple years. He, you know, played in the national championship game. At some point, somebody like Drew Timmy would have said, I- I've done more or less everything I can do at this level. I've graduated. It's time to get on with my professional career, whatever that looks like. So, If it's the NBA, great. If it's uh, the G League, okay, I'll try to work through it. If it's overseas, it's fine, but I'm going to go make a paycheck. Well, now, whether you're Drew Timmy, Oscar at Kentucky, uh, Jackson Davis at Indiana, Hunter Dickinson at Michigan, Armando Baycott at North Carolina, these these established college stars, well, none of them are uh, obvious lottery picks because traditional bigs aren't valued in the nba anymore like unless you can shoot the ball from the perimeter and guard in space you're not going to be a lottery pick as a as a as a traditional big so these guys don't have great places to go it's probably second round ticket best for any of them and again in a different time 10 years ago they would have all gone because hey they're never going to draft me based on what they see so i'm gonna have to go prove it to them one way or other let's get on with that but now Literally, Oscar Shebly is making more money playing at Kentucky than he could make playing basketball anywhere else in this world, and that's not meant as a, 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 a you know a shot. It's just a fact. It's within the rules. So Drew Timmy is making more money playing basketball at Gonzaga than he can make playing basketball anywhere else in the world, and so now some people's not only best option but but most financially lucrative option is to remain in college basketball. And I think you're going to see a lot of projected second-round picks and guys who would maybe get drafted, maybe not get drafted, they're going to remain in school because not just the love of college and all that stuff that people try to talk you into once upon a time, but because that's the best place for me to make a paycheck uh, next year. You know, Most Americans, pick sports out of it, uh, make decisions on ha- where they work based on how much money they can make. And right now we have a system in place where there are college basketball players who can make more money working, playing college basketball than they can playing professional basketball anywhere in the world. It's not going to keep a lottery pick like Brandon Miller in Alabama uh, from being a one and done, you know, leave after uh, his first season of college basketball type of guy. Those guys are still going after one year and they should because it's millions of dollars on the table, but for the fringe guys, it now makes financial sense to come back to school, and you're going to see a lot of that going
0: forward. Gary, Mississippi State brought in Chris Jans this year. Obviously, the successful run at New Mexico State. Comes in, has a team that plays very hard on the defensive end. Schedule does him no favors as he opens SEC play. With the exception of the game at Tennessee, have been competitive but just can't seem to score. What do you know about Chris Jans that ought to give uh, Mississippi State fans hope about being able to get that turned around? Is it, is it something you has got to wait on some players? What do you see going on there?
2: Well, listen, they obviously got off to a wonderful start, and I had them ranked very high at one point in the season. It's also because I didn't know how you could not have them ranked very high at one point in the season. There was a moment where Mississippi State was 11-0, and with a win over the Utah team that had beaten Arizona, and a win over the Marquette team that had beaten Baylor. So maybe they hadn't beaten anybody, although the win over Marquette looks great now, because Marquette is terrific, but they had certainly beaten multiple teams that had beaten undeniably good teams. And from my perspective, you rate them accordingly. And as I pointed out, even when I was doing that, um, I don't know that this will hold up. I just know that it's what it should be right now. And if I have to adjust, then that's the beauty of in my case, ranking basketball teams every single day. You know, if, if uh, you, you can change when you need to change. And obviously, since we've gotten to SEC play just a little before that, even with the loss to Drake, things have turned around a little bit. But, you know, when, when you are in your first year taking over a program that missed the NCAA tournament and didn't enroll like some ridiculous top five recruiting class, it is probably going to take you a minute. So um, I, I know Mississippi State fans or perhaps disappointed because you've gone from eleven and zero to twelve and four. But what I would stress is that you're twelve and four and still ranked in the top fifty five at Ken with a first year coach who inherited a program that didn't go to the NCAA tournament last season. You know, if you can uh, you know zoom out a little bit and take a wider view, even though things have been rough the past few weeks, things are still I think, for the most part good. And yeah, you know, all of this stuff is about players. Coaches make a difference. But you 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 take the best coach in the country, and I think Chris Jansen's is one of those guys. I've known Chris in, you know forever, and his reputation as a you know guy who runs practices, as a guy who can X and O, is up there with with basically anybody in the country. I'm not surprised he got off to a great start. You look at what he did at New Mexico uh, State, and you know the, the 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 proof is there. Like that guy, you can't just go overwhelm a league the way he overwhelmed the league unless you're, you're really good at, at doing your job. And so I do think Chris is going to be a guy who takes Mississippi state to instantly play tournaments and, 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 deep in the brackets someday. But right now, sure. Like the, the roster is not the same as Alabama's roster. It's not the same as Tennessee's roster. Um, and, you know, and, and he's coaching in a league where everybody doesn't have the same level of players, obviously, but everybody's got pretty good guys. if not great guys. And, you know, it, it it could get tough, and it has been tough in recent weeks, but I do believe Mississippi State's got the right coach, and, and I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't take that program to good places. And I'm not ruling out that he can do it this season, although, again, um, you know, the last few weeks have been, been been a little tough.
0: Gary, one of the things that we've been excited about doing work with the Bulldog Initiative here at Mississippi State, trying to help address this NIL issue that you talked about earlier – is that we found a need to reach out to kind of a charitable partner. Unlike some people forming NIL entities and claiming them as charities, we wanted to find somebody that was actually a legitimate charitable entity operating in the athletic world. And I kept thinking about seeing coaches wear green ties at basketball games, and it led me to to coaching for literacy. Didn't know it at the time, but I found out you've got a connection with coaching for literacy as well.
2: I, I do, and it, it makes me smile to hear you tell that story because that is exactly the way this is supposed to work. Crip Jans or anybody else putting on a green tie or a green lapel isn't going to make some 8-year-old start, start reading better in and of itself. But what that is designed to do is bring attention attention to make people ask questions, to make people just like you said, say, Hey, what is this about? And then when you find out what it's about, hopefully you're moved to, to get involved. And I appreciate you, you know, doing exactly what you did and and the relationship because my connection to coaching for literacy is I um, you know, I, I'm obviously from Memphis, although I grew up in DeSoto County, Mississippi, but I was born in Memphis. I consider Memphis my home and John Wilfong is a a man that like when I was a kid, he played for the, you know, at the time Memphis state, he was, um, you know, somebody I knew from television and just memory before I actually met. But in my adult life, given what my career is, I've gotten to know John, I've gotten to know his children and, um, it's just a beautiful thing that he launched, um, and I don't even know if you know the backstory, but John Wilfong's son, Jonathan Wilfong, you know, played AAU basketball in Memphis. And when you play AAU in basketball in Memphis, you you end up, you know, maybe exposed to some parts of the city that you otherwise might not even know exist unless you watch the local news. My point being, John has done well for himself in life. His children, you know, enjoy a lot of the same luxuries that say my children um, enjoy. But, who, you know, he, he was a basketball player and, and you get uh, on a team with a lot of young people who maybe grow up not as fortunate. And they noticed one time that every time they would go to like a team lunch or a team dinner, there was one young man on the team who would always just point to a picture of something on a menu when it was time to order. The waiter or waitress would come around and what would you like? And rather than just read something off the menu, he would point to Whatever picture was there. If it was meatloaf, he'd point the meatloaf. If it was a chicken finger's picture, he'd point the chicken finger. And they noticed, you know, like is that is that a coincidence, or is it because he can't read what else is on the menu? So they quietly and respectfully had this conversation and found out the young man was struggling and, and 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 decided to get him help. And not only did they get him reading proficiently, uh, they got him reading so well that he was able to qualify for athletic eligibility as a college freshman and actually accept a scholarship at an SEC school. And from that little story, they said, more or less, if we can do this with one person, why can't we do this with a lot of people? And from that, Coaching for Literacy was was born. And it's an incredibly important foundation because I don't know if people realize it, but according to the Nation's Report Card, currently 68% of fourth graders are not reading proficiently, and 33% aren't reading at a basic level. And in Mississippi, the numbers are even worse. And this is troubling for obvious reasons, uh, but also because studies show that children who are not reading at grade level by fourth grade are likely to face challenges with poverty, the justice system, obtaining jobs and health care. These are often systemic problems. And it's really you know close to my heart because I'm a product of Mississippi Public Schools. I grew up in Horn Lake. My two youngest children go to school in Mississippi public schools. And I have a vested interest in in making things better in Mississippi. And that's what Coaching for Literacy is trying to do all over the country. And you guys partnering up with them has been a a real blessing. I I can't thank you enough for doing that.
0: No, we appreciate them. They've been absolutely outstanding to deal with. And and like I said, it's – it's not a fake charity. It's one that's actually out making a difference. And I know at Mississippi State, we're excited to get our student athletes involved doing those those things.
2: Yeah, it, it's going to be great. And when you turn on, you know, or attend that that January twenty first game uh, between Mississippi State and Florida, to your point, you'll see Chris and his staff wearing the green ties and and, and drawing attention to this very important charity. And I, I can in foundation. And I tell you, you're exactly right. Like, you can do Google searches on foundations, and some of the returns on them are, are not going to be so good. Like, where is this money going? What impact is it actually making? But I can tell you firsthand, this, this money is going to a good place, and it's helping the communities in which these games are happening. For instance, you know, all of the money raised, connected to the Florida-Mississippi State game in Starkville it's not going to be since a New York or Los Angeles or even Memphis Tennessee. It's going to be money reinvested in the Starkville community so that you are um, helping people in, in which the game is taking place. And this is true when um, Coaching for Literacy has done games in, in all over the country. The money is reinvested where it's, you know, for the most part, generated and you can see real tangible uh, effects. And then, from your guys' perspective, you know, my understanding is you're going to have student athletes, like, um, you know, via name, image, and likeness, field, uh, reading to young people and spending time with young people. And sometimes it's at least my experience that you know nobody starts off bad. Um, you just start off, and sometimes you find yourself in bad circumstances because of the lack of love, a lack of attention, because people don't, you know, young people reach a point where they don't think anybody cares. And this is just one way where, man, if a Mississippi State football player or a baseball player or a basketball player is sitting down with you and taking time with you and learns your name and, and, and helps you with things, that can have an incredible impact on a, on a young person. And, you know, you hear all these, you know, at least some folks moaning and groaning and, and, and being frustrated about name, image, like this and how money is determining where people play basketball or any other sport. And, yes, as we talked about, that is happening. But, man, this is where via DNA image and likeness is really making an impact on the on the community. And if you can focus on that part of it, it really is a beautiful thing.
1: Oh, it really is. Gary, hey, we appreciate it. Always great to talk basketball with you.
2: You guys are the best. Thanks for having me. We'll do it again sometime.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate you. And that's Gary Parish with CBS Sports. And, well, Gary, like you said, Charlie, like he said a minute ago, yeah, grew up in DeSoto County, a big fixture in the Memphis area. He's been a part of this uh, Coaching for Literacy group uh, pretty much since the inception as an, on the advisory board, and you just can't say enough about uh, how that group has been to work with. Well, that's a guy that gets excited about basketball, isn't he? He is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a,
0: it's a good marriage, and like I said, the guys at Coaching for Literacy, for those who are interested in the charitable component, uh, you can go to the Bulldog Initiative website. they got a link right there to take you to Coaching for Literacy. We have a program with them directly, and 70% of any of the money that we help generate is coming back to engage Mississippi State athletes to help support that literacy mission. So really excited about that.
1: And so that uh, conversation with Gary Parrish brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage, Country Pleasing. It's a Mississippi-made product down in Florence, Mississippi, at Country Meat Packers. It's a a growing brand throughout the Southeast, and you can't go wrong with our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Charlie, now come back. We'll have a final word. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. And once again, we're brought to you by our friends at Trax Plus. Go to TraxPlus.com if you're in the market for a new or used a piece of heavy equipment. If you need a, need something for the forestry world, need to do some clearing, some mulching, or excavators, sandy excavators, mini excavators, they've got five locations now. Hickory between Starville and Columbus on Highway 82, then in Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria at Louisiana, and now in Bessemer, Alabama as well, our good friends at Trax. Plus, Charlie, good conversation with Gary Parish. He's always a pleasure to talk to. Oh,
0: great guy. And like I said, obviously, man, that guy is plugged into college basketball. That's a couple of good guys. We talked to Jeff Goodman a few weeks ago, Gary Parish. Those guys are dialed in.
1: Yeah, and so, now we talked about this earlier on. We go to Auburn this weekend, play against the Auburn Tigers. Auburn has been a different team, and we talked about this before. I can't remember if this was on the air or off air, but Auburn kind of reminds me of the old uh, Mark Godfrey teams at Alabama that were really good at home, but on the road they were a little susceptible. They didn't play great this past Tuesday night in Oxford, but we get them at home. We get them down on the plains of Auburn, and so – Hey, got to shake the cobwebs of what happened last night over in Athens and uh, get ready to play because this is a very athletic Auburn team.
0: And then you get rewarded with Tennessee right after that.
1: Yep, they'll be back in the hump. That'll be in the midweek next week. Is that an 8 o'clock tip next Tuesday night? Oh, man. I'm not much of an 8 o'clock guy. No, I'm not either. Eight, yeah, not at all. Well, hey, enjoyed it as always. Great conversations with Gary Parrish, talking about coaching for literacy and uh well that just going back to it, Charlie, about how that, that uh that group kinda reinvests into these college communities and um, well the Bulldog Initiative working hand in hand right now with coaching for literacy, that's a big deal.
0: No, it absolutely is and look, we've had some significant donations made through coaching for literacy and it goes back to it's kinda like what Gary was talking about the ability to do good in the NIL process. I mean Athletes getting NIL are supposed to do something. What better than to be working with kids here in our own community?
1: No doubt. Enjoyed it as always. Thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Go with a home team at Farm Bureau. Friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi. Go to countrypleasing.com. Tracks Plus, if you're in the market for heavy equipment, go to tracksplus.com. And then our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your banking needs. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.